Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, Thursday, November 30th, 2017. I'm sorry I'm cracking up. My dog is behind me, losing his mind right now. I can see him on the bed, kicking all the covers off. He's out of control, but I think maybe he's ready for a show. We haven't recorded in nearly two weeks, so thank you for tuning in. We're glad to be back on this week's episode. There's no shortage of stuff to talk about. It is... You know, we're in the lull between the GM meetings and then the actual winter meetings in Orlando, Florida. You'd think we wouldn't have anything to talk about. We have a ton to talk about, actually. Shohei Otani, he hits the market. Friday, he's going to be posted, which is tomorrow. Giancarlo Stanton still doesn't have a home yet. Joe Morgan wrote a letter to the baseball writers about his concerns over voting people into the Hall of Fame. Aaron Judge got three votes for mayor in New York City. Baseball's making a difference. I absolutely love it. Jake Arrieta doesn't have a home. I do have a new outlook on you, Darvish. And today is Bo Jackson's birthday on The Greatest Show on Dirt. Let's get the show started. Okay, let's start with Shohei Otani, the 23-year-old power hitter, 102-mile-an-hour throwing pitcher. He's He's been nothing but the talk of the offseason. He's taking all the shine and stardom away from, I think, Giancarlo Stanton, Jay Carrietta, Yu Darvish. This guy's the real deal. He's a two-way player. He's always, a lot of people say he's the Japanese Babe Ruth, but to me, he's like the Japanese Bo Jackson, because Bo Jackson, which today's his birthday, we're going to do plenty, plenty of Bo Jackson celebrations, but Shohei Otani, he hits for huge power, can throw the ball really hard, and he's doing something that people tell him that like you shouldn't be able to do or can't do which is hit and play the field all the time and then come out and pitch every fifth day. He's determined to do it. He wants to do it. He is coming over here two years shy of being able to make $250 million, which says so much about this man's character because, yeah, if he stayed in Japan for the next two years, he could sign when he was 25 and get closer to $300 million than probably would be $250 million. But he's going to come now and... If, for example, if he were to sign with the Chicago Cubs, which I think he should, not because I'm a Cubs fan, I think the Cubs give him the best platform to to play on, you know, to showcase his abilities. But if he were to sign with the Cubs, he would get a $300,000 signing bonus compared to the nearly $300 million contract he would get in two years. The guy loves to play baseball, and I love just his... I, it seems like he's got such love for the game, and you can't do anything but root for that because he's coming over here, and he recently sent a memo out to MLB teams to, I guess, in a sense, gauge, you know, where the teams are at in their processes and what they think of Shohei's ability and, you know, kind of really what their plans would be with him. In a sense, he's going on speed dating with all of (laughs) the Major League Baseball teams and just kind of wants to know about him. I've got an article brought up right now on SB Nation, and here's a little bit about the memo, okay? So, Shohei Otani's agent sent out the memo, and what it does is it asks for teams to evaluate Otani's talent as a pitcher and a hitter, to explain its player development, which for the teams to explain their player development, their medical training and player performance philosophies, and then their facilities, and then also wants to describe, and I have to specify this, he wants them to describe their minor league and spring training facilities, which is very important because when Shohei Otani signs with the team, He's signing a minor league contract, right? So if he signs with the New York Yankees, he's not taking a jet to Yankee Stadium. He's taking the bus to Scranton Wilkes-Barre to play AAA baseball. That's where he's going. And I, oh man, I just love it, love it, love it, love it. And also wants to know about the team's resources for like cultural assimilate assimilation 
into the team city to demonstrate a vision for how Otani could integrate to the organization. He Otani wants to know how he fits into this organization and really how they could help him, but also really just to tell Otani why the team's a desirable place to play. This is awesome. And he also put specifically, listen to this, each team was asked to provide its answers in both language and clubs were told not to include any financial terms. It's as if Shohei Otani doesn't want to talk about money. All he wants to do is showcase his ability to the best in the world. You understand that's why he's coming to the United States to play Major League Baseball. He feels like he's been playing for Nippon Professional Baseball and has done everything he can do. And he's casting money aside and simply just says, I want to play the game of baseball because I love it. And I want to play against the best in the world. I applaud this guy. Whatever team gets him, because every team is in the running at this point, because you don't have to have a certain amount of money to sign Shohei Otani because he's under rookie rules or like the international signing pool rules. He's not a full free agent because he hasn't played until the age of 25 or six full seasons. Every team has a chance, and the team that gets him, oh my gosh, like they have got... A ba- they're going to have a baseball player that you just don't see. I mean, what a lucky team to get this kid. I mean, he just seems like a breath of fresh air. You know, I've watched some YouTube clips of him just hitting. He seems like he's got a great personality. And he also, he hit a ball through the roof of a dome one time. <laughs> it's amazing. And then I think he's clocked at one or just a little over 102 and a half miles an hour. And apparently because he can throw that hard, that makes his... Slider, curve, and changeup, just monsters. I, they, he's got five pitches, and apparently they're all like five plus plus pitches. I can't wait to see him, and I'm super pumped for the team that signs him. Really, I just I can't wait to watch him play baseball. Show Otani, it's going to be great. As far as the clubs that I think are in the running, everyone does talk about the New York Yankees because it's a big market, right? And if you're probably not from the United States, I would say. Two of the teams you would probably know would be the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees. And until, you know, recently, you would probably know the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs can't, you know, pay as much as the Yankees could because they just don't have that much left in their signing pool to sign. The Yankees, they could sign Otani and give him a signing bonus of about $3.2 million. And that's really where everything comes down to is like his monthly simply his 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 his, his salary is going to be the same but we already know that Otani doesn't care about money but the Yankees could be at the top of his mind because of the New York Yankees and then the Los Angeles Dodgers and then maybe the Chicago Cubs money's not a factor so if we're looking at team stability okay right this guy can come in and uh, play for a team and really fit in they fit him well and you know he can develop as a player in a stable clubhouse and I don't really think that the New York Yankees have the most stable clubhouse right now which if anyone that watches baseball or is a Yankees fan is probably screaming like while they're driving to work or at work slacking because you're like what do you mean the Yankees don't have a clear vision and might not be the most stable franchise they were a game away Quentin tell me they were a game away from the World Series last year but they let go of Joe Girardi, who I believe, firmly believe that he had a great relationship with the players. Now, Brian Cashman says he didn't have a great relationship with the players, but Brian Cashman's problem was that he wanted a Jerry Jones coach. Joe Girardi worked very autonomously, did his own thing, but Brian Cashman doesn't want that. Yankees upper management doesn't want that. They want a Jerry Jones-type coach where 
the guys upstairs, they're really the coaches, right? Joe Girardi was a great coach. And the fact that he's out and the Yankees are interviewing guys like Aaron Boone and Carlos Beltran, who I love Carlos Beltran. I think that's who they should hire. But that doesn't necessarily give him Shohei Otani the best franchise to be a part of because the Yankees have no idea who's going to head coach next year. I think that's going to cost them Otani. But then again... I don't know that Otani would have ever been a shoe-in for the Yankees anyway, but who knows? Because when Friday comes and he's posted, teams have 21 days to make an offer. We'll know where Otani's going before Christmas. So hopefully by the time Christmas comes, you forgot completely about this podcast because I told you I don't think he's going to sign with the Yankees. But if he's a New York Yankee, then I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to be embarrassed. But if you listen to this podcast, I'm really never right on anything, so... My apologies, I'm basically a weatherman here. No offense to weatherman, meteorologist, if you listen to the show. The Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers would be the one team that I think maybe could sign him. The Dodgers, I think they seem stable. Dave Roberts is a well-respected coach. They have, the Dodgers have a really good clubhouse, right? I mean, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, you know, Puig is basically the Dennis Rodman of Major League Baseball, but you have to love him. He's a great teammate. He'll kiss you on the face and do the whole thing. It's a great situation. Clayton Kershaw, phenomenal competitor. I'm not, I'm not one for Rich Hill. I don't. He just seems like a grumpy old man out there, and he hops off the mound. That's weird stuff. But, hey, Rich Hill might be a great teammate. I love Kenley Jansen. And the clubhouse of the Dodgers, I think, is great, right? If you ever, I remember when... In 2016, I think a lot of the Dodgers got snubbed for the All-Star game, and Kenley Jansen stuck up for his teammates and called out the fans for not voting. I love it, and I love their clubhouse, you know? So, you know, Otani could go there. I personally think the best place Otani could go is the Chicago Cubs. And again, if you know me personally, right, you know I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. But, you know, throw that to the side. Who's the best VP in baseball, the best GM in baseball. You've got Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. You saw what they did in Boston. So they broke a curse in Boston. Then they broke a curse in Chicago. You've seen what they've done in both cities. Don't think that Otani doesn't know that. Plus, Shohei Otani's agent has a really good relationship with Theo Epstein. A good relationship. They know each other well. But you've got to believe that this 23-year-old who cares less about money and most about having a great environment to play baseball in, I would imagine Theo and Jen, their names have probably traveled well. And, you know, there are rumors that the Cubs could be on Shohei Otani's shortlist, even though they can't offer the most money. I believe that they can offer him the best environment. I think Joe Madden as a coach can offer him the best coaching. Joe Madden's a very open-minded coach when it comes to young guys being who they are. We've all seen Javier Baez swing at baseballs a foot above his head and do crazy stuff in the field where you're like, Javi, what did you just do? But, you know, you pair that with clutch hits, hard base running, great tags, phenomenal defender. And when his offense clicks, I mean, he's there. You know, with Javi a lot, it's a feast or famine. Famines are never good, but when Javi's feasting, boy, we all full. And I, I like I like Shohei going to the Cubs. I really don't think that's the best place he could go. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. I think next, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump into some you Darvish predictions for 2018. If you've listened, well, this will be a 12th episode if this thing makes it up online. So if you've made it this far, you're probably one of the few, especially if you're not my mom or my dad or a relative of mine. So thank you for tuning in. I have been very critical of you Darvish on the podcast, even when 
You know, from right at the get-go when he got traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers, I just didn't think he was a, a reliable arm. You know, numbers of his that are concerning are his first inning earned on average, which at times of, I think this year were over four, and at times in his career I think have been nearly five possibly. He, um, the game before he got traded, you know, there was the 10-run outing against the Miami Marlins, and he had, he, you know, if you've watched Jake Arrieta pitch, I think that's what you Darvish kind of reminded me of, where he wasn't, I didn't feel like he was going deep into games a whole lot, and it was just, he didn't seem, just the mound presence, I think, wasn't there. That might be the best way to put it. And then, of course, we all saw his World Series. My dog's still going bonkers. My, uh, we saw you Darvish's World Series finished with three and a third innings pitch. That's over two games. He was a losing pitcher in Game 7 and racked up eight earned runs, which is good if you're a mathematician. Uh, 21.6 earned run average. So things, I mean, this being in a walk year of his where he's going in free agency, you wouldn't think that'd be too good. I um, read, oh, hold on, my computer's want to update stuff. Oh, I can't cut this out because I don't know GarageBand that good. I've got a good flow going, so sorry. <laughs> You'll have to deal with it. I read an article on Sports Illustrated. I have the title of it somewhere. It was, okay, Mike Pellucci wrote it on November 14th, Sports Illustrated, titled, You Darvish is Baseball's Best Free Agent, But Memories of His World Series Collapse Are Fresh. Let's title the article. And in the article, it touches a little bit on you Darvish's transition from playing in Japan to playing in the United States and kind of, you know, what that looked like for him in the part that stood out in the article. Talked about you Darvish's game plan going into games when he pitched for the Ham Fighters versus when he pitched for the Rangers and probably the Dodgers. And it goes into you Darvish's quote here. He said, nobody said anything about my pitching. He said going into a game, he'd make his own plan and he'd execute that plan in the game. But Darvish did find it difficult to adapt to like this on-hands coaching approach to Major League Baseball. He's found it difficult. So I, I feel like what's happened with you, Darvish, and you see it in his first inning performances and then the World Series performance, he's he's got himself, he's in his own head right now. He's come to, you know, when he pitched in Japan, he had his own game plan, did his own thing. He was confident in his abilities. He knew nothing but his own abilities. And it's almost as if he came to Major League Baseball and had all this hands-on coaching with pitching coaches and player personnel, whoever, trying to make you Darvish into maybe what they wanted as opposed to what you Darvish always was, was a dominant pitcher who had six-plus pitches who could just strike you out at any given time, strike out the best in baseball. And you Darvish had a phenomenal 2013, I believe, with a sub-3 ERA, 209 innings, and 277 strikeouts. He missed all of, what, 2014, I believe, with Tommy John. Pitched some in 2015. Or, you know, I think he actually missed all of 2015 with Tommy John. We don't, listen, we don't, like, proclaim to be, like, this isn't baseball prospectus over here. We're kind of feeling through it, you know. I mean, I don't even have my co-host right now. She's in the other room watching Designated Survivor. We're doing what we can. It's a great episode, guys. Thanks for listening. I don't don't hit don't hit stop. Please don't change podcast stations right now. Um, don't go listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. Please listen to us. Right, we're gonna give you all kinds of great information. And yeah, I think that's what you're getting with Darvish. You know, being a free agent right now, he's always had coaches that have wanted to change him. You know, you change your motion, change your delivery, change your arm angles, change this and that. When you got this guy that came over here with six phenomenal pitches. And he did like Rick Honeycutt, 
in Los Angeles. I don't think he goes back to LA, but I was super harsh on you, Darvish, and I think I was wrong. I think you, Darvish, might be a victim of just getting in his own head. I don't think he has the Rick Ankiel yips or John Lester throwing to first, but I think you, Darvish, has a case of the Baltimore Oriole, Jake Arietta, which, and Jake had said this before, he because when Jake Arietta was in Baltimore, he was a train wreck. He had all kinds of pitching coaches trying to change his delivery, telling him to, you know, not throw certain pitches and then to throw other pitches. And it messed with him. Then when he got to Chicago, Chris Bazio, the Chicago Cubs pitching coach, said, hey man, pitch a game, right? We're going to support you. Go out there and do what you do. And you saw the best 25-game pitching stretch in the history of all of baseball, right? That's better than Bob Gibson. And that's what you Darvish needs right now. I've got a prediction for you Darvish that he's going to come out next year, whatever league you Darvish is in, he wins the Cy Young, right? you got a guy that's been through hell. I don't think things get much lower for a major league pitcher that holds himself to such high standards as you Darvish pitching three and a third and giving up eight runs in the World Series. This guy has superb athleticism. He's big. He's strong. He has apparently seven pitches if you count his adjusted for Tommy John surgery curveball that he has. He's got an assortment, right? Like this guy, if pitches were a candy store, like you Darvish would be Willy Wonka, right? Like, you know, when you go to the mall and you go to those candy stores that just have like those bins of candy, that's like a you Darvish pitch. It's, it's unbelievable what he can do. If he can go for a team Hey, you Darvish needs to do what Shohei Otani's doing. If he'd go to a team that'll support his abilities and maybe not try to change him, you Darvish just needs to get back to who he was. You're going to see a guy that's going to pitch well next year. There's no doubt in my mind right now that you Darvish is the number one arm you can get in free agency. I'm not counting Otani. I haven't watched enough Shohei Otani to tell you, but if we're comparing, who do you have out there? Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, Jake Arrieta, you Darvish. I, I stand by you Darvish, and I think he'll be. He'll be the best arm you can get if you have the system to support him. Not every team can take him. You know, you Darvish doesn't need to go back to the Texas Rangers. You Darvish doesn't need to be a Minnesota Twin, right? He needs to be with a forward-thinking club with very intelligent pitching coaches. You know, Chris Basio might be the pitching coach in Milwaukee. Hold on, let me look this up. Oh, scratch that. Basio's the pitching coach for the Tigers. You Darvish doesn't want to go there. You Darvish needs to look for a good pitching coach who's going to let him be him. Hopefully this offseason he gets back to his roots, and I think he can come out next year. Like I said, prediction for you Darvish, whatever league he's in next year, I don't care if it's AL or NL, he's he's winning the Cy Young. Hopefully this time next year I play it back and look good. Because now you, if you realize I've made two bold predictions that Otani wouldn't be a Yankee and then you Darvish would win a Cy Young. So this episode's going to be like a beacon of light next year, or I'm going to flush it down the toilet. I don't really know what to say. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. Thank you for listening. You can find us online. We have a Facebook account of The Greatest Show on Dirt. It's uh, If you can't find it on Facebook, you can get on your Facebook app and search The Greatest Show on Dirt. I think that they've given me like a handle. Is that what they call it? A handle? At Greatest on Dirt. That's how you can find us on Facebook. At Greatest on Dirt or just search The Greatest Show on Dirt on your Facebook. And also on Twitter, we have a Twitter account as well, which is the same. Greatest on Dirt. That's where you can find us at. At Greatest on Dirt. We post a lot of stuff, stories. We wrote and uploaded a piece today titled, Bo Jackson, the greatest athlete that ever lived. Today being 
Bo Jackson's 55th birthday. I really do believe he's the best athlete that ever lived. I loved watching him as a baseball player. He was just breaking bats, running up walls. The Harold Reynolds throw from the warning track to throw him out at home plate. Cespedes Family Barbecue on, I think, MLB Cut 4. You can go to MLB.com or just search this on your Google machine. The title of the article was today is Bo Jackson's 55th birthday. So we built Bo Jackson a time capsule. I love it. And this Bo Jackson time capsule has a lot of like the amazing Bo Jackson plays. Him running up the wall, him breaking a bat over his head, which is amazing. He soft grounded to a pitcher and then on the way to the dugout broke a bat over his helmet. And he didn't like get a running start with it. Like the bat was sitting on his helmet and then he just muscled it into two. And then what else have I kind of went for? Oh, his leadoff home run. In the All-Star game, this was like Vin Scully with uh, the President of the United States, who was the President 89, Ronald Reagan. Amazing stuff. Um, so you can go check out this link. I've got it shared, too, on both places. So if you go to our Facebook or our Twitter, you can catch the uh, MLB Cut 4 article by Jake Mintz at Cespedes Family Barbecue. Phenomenal. I loved I watched. I think I spent like 20 minutes at work today watching Bo Jackson highlights. So if I work with you and you're listening to this, I'm lying. I didn't really do that, but like I secretly did. So thanks for listening to the show. Next on the agenda, what do we got next on the agenda? Well, I guess, I guess we might as well close out the show with Giancarlo Stanton news. We've went 21 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about Giancarlo Stanton yet. So apparently the Miami Marlins have given the big guy an ultimatum saying, hey, you better agree to a trade or you're going to play on our stripped-down rebuilding team because if we can't ship you out, Marcelo Zuna's going out, Christian Yelich is going out, Justin Bohr, he's going to go, D. Gordon's going to go, and you're going to be here. The Miami Marlins are trying what sounds like the bully Giancarlo Stanton. And like, what's happened with the Miami Marlins doesn't seem really like too far off like the Jeffrey Loria path of just like being jerks. You know, you we've all read everywhere that the communication with Derek Jeter and co. versus Giancarlo Stanton has been none. Right? They don't communicate at all. And then to find out, like, one, they're not communicating. Right? Giancarlo Stanton was on Jimmy Fallon or something. He said, like, no one's talked to me since the season's been over. And then, like, then you hear about this in October. They tell him, hey, like, accept a trade or, like, we're just going to keep you and make your life miserable. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, that's not fun. You can't do that. Um, yeah, I still don't know what comes out of this. I have no idea where Giancarlo Stanton goes. I um, I tweeted this a couple days ago. If Giancarlo Stanton, if this is true, and Giancarlo Stanton's going to be kind of forced to go somewhere he might not want to go, my first thought was this is good for St. Louis Cardinals fans because St. Louis, I I believe they have the best trading pieces to entice the Miami Marlins into a deal, which would be a deal that gives the Cardinal Giancarlo Stanton, but maybe to where the Marlins soak up some money because the pitching prospects that the Cardinals have. Now, I don't believe Cardinals aren't going to have to give up all of their good pitching prospects. They're probably going to have to give up uh, at least a good one, then a couple other players, and then if they, you know, the, the more they give, you know, it's just going to soak up less of Giancarlo's contract. I don't know what that's going to look like, but the Cardinals can get Giancarlo Stanton and not be in the outhouse in pitching, right? They can still handle themselves as a team 60 feet 6 inches away. I believe it. I think they can. Cardinals are a good organization, but they also play in the Midwest, St. Louis, Missouri, and I think that's a trade that Giancarlo Stanton would probably naturally reject. 
I think he says he wants to go to the West Coast. We haven't heard it from his mouth, but inside sources that know the big guy well say he'd like to play out West. That's a bit of a predicament because the Giants lost like 98 games last year. They really look like they're just falling straight down a well. And then the Dodgers, I question if the Dodgers would consider signing Giancarlo Stan or at least putting that much effort to doing so, right? Like if, if Giancarlo goes to the Dodgers... The Marlins aren't going to get nearly probably what they could from like the Cardinals because the Dodgers don't have to really give much up for him. And if Giancarlo goes to the Dodgers, well, it's going to be because he's put the Miami Marlins in a position to where they have to make this deal because they want to clear off their books and start a rebuild. And the Miami Marlins, I would believe that this is just a big fat bluff because the Marlins need to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton if they're going to rebuild this team. If they're not going to rebuild the team, then they need to keep everybody and just figure out some pitching. You know, make a run at Alex Cobb, Miles Mikolas, and whatever. Just see if you can get Shohei Otani, if you can lure him to South Beach, I guess. Yeah, that may be their only thing, but um, I still think Giancarlo Stanton has the upper hand in this. We still don't know where he's going to go. I think the Cardinals and maybe the Red Sox have made formal offers, but at the the winter meetings, the winter meetings start, oh gosh, I think December 10th, the winter meetings start, talks are really going to take off then. The GM meetings, which just happened, it's usually a time for kind of everyone to gauge the crops, right, and see kind of you know, what teams might give up, who they have, who's untouchable, who's not untouchable. Talks for Giancarlo Stanton are going to heat up, but... Buster only talked about this in one of his blogs. It's not a given that Giancarlo Stanton will probably be a Marlin still after Christmas. I mean, he could be a Marlin in spring training because, I mean, with his no trade clause, and you've got to figure that the Marlins, they're not going to move him until they absolutely have to, which might be at the beginning of the year. But also, I mean, you'd like to think that the Marlins would like to get the ball rolling pretty quick on this and see what their future would look like. It's In short, we at The Greatest Show on Dirt have no idea what's going to happen to Giancarlo Stanton. I think he'll be a St. Louis Cardinal if the Miami Marlins have any sort of leverage to somehow force him into a trade. I think Giancarlo Stanton would be a St. Louis Cardinal. I've said a couple times that Giancarlo Stanton would be in good business. Being in St. Louis, right? Me being a Cubs fan, it'd suck because the Cardinals would be a lot better than what they were. But I mean, if you want to talk about Giancarlo Stanton building a legacy of his own, you know, playing in some meaningful playoff games, and you know, just a guy that's going to be a slugger that can be remembered well after his playing years, St. Louis is a good place to do that. And this is the greatest show under. We will close out this week's episode. We'll get it uploaded. I'm going to upload it right after this. So thanks for listening. Have a wonderful night. We'll try to get something up for you by the weekend as well. And again, check out our website, greatestondirt.com. Um, we recently wrote a piece on Joe Morgan writing the letter to the baseball writers, which we were supposed to cover this episode, but didn't get to it. So check out our blog as well. I also did share that on Facebook and Twitter. Also wrote a piece on Bo Jackson Day. So go to our website, go to our Facebook, The Greatest Show on Dirt, at Greatest on Dirt on Twitter. Check us out, see what we're publishing, and have an awesome week.